0: Rewinding Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu on Kaya FM 95.9. We move now to Very Shaba. She's the founder and CEO of Green Design. And of course, you know, we want every week we're talking about women in business, women entrepreneurs, professional women that are making waves in their industry. Very Shaba, as I said, founder and CEO of Green Design, is a multi-award winning green building consultant and engineer. In 2013, she was the Green Star Accredited Professional for the Newtown Junction mixed-use development in Johannesburg. Newtown Junction went on to be the recipient of three South African Property Owners Association Innovative Awards, including overall winner for Transformation, Heritage, Green Sustainability and innovation. Vera is also a faculty member of the Green Building Council of South Africa, where she trains professionals on the green star courses in new buildings, existing building performance, and interiors. And having trained over 500 professionals across the continent to date, she really is a shining star. Very, uh, very good evening to you. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you. This was quite a a, a CV that I was reading out. You've accomplished quite a bit in your time, and you're still very young. Um, So well done on all of that. But very, I think, you know, uh, apart from congratulations and talking about your accolades, take us through you know, some of the challenges that you faced getting into this business. I mean, you have the founder and CEO of Green Design. You've built that up to be an established business. How did you actually get there?
1: Oh, thank you very much for having me on the show. And thank you for your note on the TV. Um, so I would say <laughs> that as a CEO and founder, how I got here is really, I know it sounds very cliche, but one should never start a business because they want the money. I know that sounds completely like that doesn't make sense. But what I found is that there was a problem that was not being addressed and it wasn't being Mm -hmm. addressed by my employer at the time. And I'd moved from one employer to the next employer and it still wasn't being addressed in terms of really merging green buildings and engineering. Um, which is something that doesn't normally exist. Engineers are very clinical and technical and, you know, they don't really care about the environment because if they did, our refrigerant wouldn't have had an ozone depleting potential. until it was, Mm -hmm. you know, outlawed. Um, And so I kept on being like, but what is the the environmental side of engineering? So it's almost like intersectional engineering, the social economic and environmental side of engineering. And how can we really push that forward? And eventually I just decided I'm going to start my own business. I had... Three-month salary, a LinkedIn profile, and a car, and no clients. Um, and the business just grew within about twelve months. I had finally signed a multi-million rand contract. Um, at the end of the year. And that really was just because I was like, here's a problem that's not currently being solved where we're really specifically looking at engineering and we're looking at the benefits that can come from doing green engineering, the social, economic Mm. and environmental benefits that can come from green engineering. And that's really what green design focuses on.
0: You know, I have a passion for this and, you know, I do a lot of research on it. And I find that the corporate world almost, you know, they're embracing it a lot more than the individual, whereas we should all be embracing it because we have a huge environmental problem and we have an environmental responsibility. But I still, and when you talk about the multi-million dollar deal that you, um, uh, that you managed to get, I mean, that of course was in the corporate sector, right?
1: Yeah, and it was much million rand. I wish it was much million dollars. Sorry, million rand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I just want to, before people are like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, but with that deal, it was with the corporate sector. And I think that there is an uptake more with the corporate sector. And I think that the reason for that is because they still myth around you. People don't mm-hmm. understand that you can live work and play clean. In fact, you should because there definitely a lot more individuals who can turn this wheel around than the corporates. Corporates have a lot of layers versus individuals. I changed my light bulb in my house. I, you Mm -hmm. know, decided to have a solar geezer. I decided I'm never going to wear You know, maybe synthetic or fabrics, because textile industry is the second highest emitter after oil and gas. So I start being more conscious about the clothes that I pick. It's these Mm -hmm. kind of conversations that we don't have. And then people start thinking it's not about them. Yet Africa is the most vulnerable continent when it comes to climate change. So every decision we're making on an individual basis actually as contributing
0: towards climate change mm. but you know what it goes back to the debate um over costs it's like if you want to be mm-hmm. good you want to eat good it's going to cost you more because you're eating all fancy things that's going to keep you healthy because you know takeout is cheaper but it's terrible for your body mm-hmm. it's the same thing i mean the corporates as you say has so many layers but they also one of those layers is money they have access to that and um, is, I mean, is that something that needs to be dispelled? I mean, you know, it is expensive to put in a solar geyser if you are going to change it. Um, is it that easy for everyone to actually go the green route? Um, because this, the cost factor is huge. And I think that's the myth
1: that exists is that it costs more to go green. So I'm going to give a really random example that's probably relatable to all of us. So during lockdown, how many of us have bought brand new clothes? Seasons have come yeah. and gone. We haven't really bought new clothes, they so haven't really bought new shoes, um, and that's probably cost us less, and in the process, we've been sustainable. Mm. So I think that there's a concept called the circular economy, which is very, of circularity, which is very um, entrenched in the idea of green economy and green in general, and the circular economy actually says, how long can you keep something in the cycle for as long as possible before sending it to landfill? So it's small things like that that end up actually costing you less. And then with mm. the solar um, diesel, what we've just kind of seen is that that definitely does have a cost premium to it. And sometimes the question is kind of like, it's not so much if you can afford to go green, it's if you can afford not to go green. And yeah. so a lot of the times we would say, look at the payback period. Um, if you can see that, and then even there's some companies that do energy as a service where they will pay for your solar you pay them monthly, but they will pay Mm -hmm. the capital cost for your solar. And all you have to do is just, yeah, they make the money from putting solar on your rooftop. Um, So there are many ways around it. It's just, I think it's education. I think people don't know that we can all be green.
0: I think that's a, you know, it's a really important point. And, you know, I'm working on a green project and I find that, you know, like, like you explaining, it's so important for us to go. I mean, what is the cost of not going green, but it's, do you find that there's a the challenge because I find that in, it's, it's, the challenge is in convincing people of how important it is for them to go green, to change their thinking, to change their attitude, to change their behavior. And for me in my green project, I feel that is the challenge is getting them yeah. to understand the importance of it. I don't know if you feel the same way.
1: That's absolutely true, and I think one of the things that I've had to navigate, because I've been working in the space now since 2010, and so I've kind of seen our industry evolve from, at one point, even before 2010. There was a point, because I actually, so the whole green career started when I was working at Volkswagen, and it was load shedding in that year. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, wait a minute, we could definitely be more self-sufficient. But what I just saw... Is that the conversation has changed there's different drivers to green it can either be social economic or environmental if you know what drives the person you're speaking to it's easier to encourage them so the corporates, they go green, yeah, kind of for environmental, but that's not really the reason. They go green because of economic benefits. They go mm-hmm. green because their shareholders are holding them to environmental yeah. social governance policies that they have, a, like, a, like signed towards. Um, they go green because it looks good. They go green because the competitor is green. And so that's their driver. You won't really talk about environment unless they've signed a carbon, you know, um, agreement. Mm. Government goes green because of the jobs that are available in the green economy, so the social side. And then most individuals go green because of the environment, like we just want to trade lightly, but also the economic side. So I think once you know the driver, it makes it so much easier to convince people. It just makes sense, but Mm. it's that little bit of convincing that needs to happen so that people see that it's in their best interest.
0: Tell me a a little bit more about green design. I mean, yes, you've got a big client, but who else do you work with? What are the day-to-day things that you have to deal with I mean how different is it from from normal building yeah from normal engineering Um, this is obviously a niche
1: yeah exactly it is a very specialist field in terms of our clients we're currently working on um projects of 120,000 square meters um across South Africa and also across the continent we have a project in Abidjan so in Cote d'Ivoire as well Um, And so what green design does is that we use engineering principles, but we constantly look at ways in which to make it more efficient. So green engineering is intelligent engineering Mm. because now you're starting to save your clients money in terms of energy, in terms of water, in terms of waste. These are costs that a client does not need to be paying for on a building and let alone on a portfolio of buildings. So some of our clients include... um, like the Abcon Foundation, which is part of Abland. We also have Pareto, JLL. So we have a lot of the REITs and um, real estate consulting firms that normally come to us, either asking for consultancy on how to design a more efficient system or how to certify, because there are green star certifications, so there's green building certifications that exist in the market. So we specifically look at those. And so the the difference would just be that most engineers will use an Excel spreadsheet and they will kind of use that to model their buildings. We model a building as if we're modeling a car. And then we look Mm -hmm. at the performance of the building as if we're looking at the performance of a car. Because at the end of the day, a building is also um, an asset which has engineering systems that degrade. And so, and it's also very much dependent on climate um, and the environment around it. And so that's kind of what makes us that in that little niche space of clients who are like, I want to quantify the performance of my building. Mm -hmm. So we call it high performance buildings
0: if you 've just joined us, my guest this evening is very very shaba and she's the founder and CEO of green design very i mean are you seeing a shift i mean you know i i feel i do feel that we are a bit slower than the rest of the world, and I know that south Africa i mean our environmental ministry we have been very um proactive in terms of the environment but i still feel we're lagging many other countries in the world i don't know if you agree Mm -hmm. i'm wondering if there is a shift if more people are coming on board if our thinking is changing and we are investing in green design and investing in a more environmentally friendly future
1: i would say that there is a lag on the continent Mm-hmm. Um, and then South Africa ends up being one of the leaders within the continent. But there definitely is a lag. And I think our environment, definitely the Department of Environment, Fishing and Forestry, have all ratified COP21. All of these COPs that we've um, hosted, South Africa has been a signatory to it. We've committed towards carbon neutrality, four of our metropoles. Uh, Part of the C40 cities campaign, which looks Mm -hmm. at them being carbon neutral by 2030 and 2050. So for new buildings, 2030, for new and existing buildings, 2050. So all of this is happening. But the biggest problem that we face is just the way our industry is built, is that we're very fragmented. The architect sits in their office, the engineer sits in their office, the environmentalist sits in their office, quality surveyor sits in their office. And so even when you look at government, some of these um, government institutions as well, they're very fragmented. So you can go to the Department of Energy, and they've got their own commitment they've made. Mm. You go to the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure, they've got their mm. own commitment. You go to the you know DFS, they've got their own commitment. And... It's like no one is really speaking to each other. And I think that what's happening at a macro level starts to translate down at a micro level where we're just so fragmented. And the biggest thing about green is that it has to be integrated. That's how you get efficiencies. So I would say we're definitely lagging behind in that sense. And also we're lagging behind in terms of accessing green finance. So a lot of Europe, I mean, just recently they've done the green new deal in Europe where they've allocated billions of euros specifically towards green initiatives and green buildings on the continent. And they're aiming to be a carbon neutral continent. Um, Mm -hmm. In Africa, someone might say, I want to go green, you brought up costs. Then they, especially for the larger capital items that one might do, like retrofits, Then they say, I want to go green, and then they struggle to access finance to go green, that initial finance to go green. Um, So I think it's those two things that are really lagging us behind is the structural, the way we're Mm. structured, and just our access to finance. It's something that, you know, we're still trying to crack it. IFC really tries to help mediate, um, but we're just not cracking getting those million euro commitments.
0: It's actually so sad. I mean, you know, my niece is uh, is uh, also, um, you know, she's got an environmental degree, but she wants to study further, and she wants to specifically look at environmental finance. And there's nothing for her in South Africa. She's there's no, there's no way. Yeah, she can't study here. She's looking yeah. at going overseas just to study that because she says, and she is working in the in the environmental space, but she says that, as you say. Um, you know that there is uh, finance is missing. It's an integral part of um, transformation in this industry, and it's missing. It's it's not there, and she yeah. can't even fill this gap because academically she can't actually get access. You know to further herself to offer anything. So she's actually looking at countries overseas in Europe that are offering these kind of degrees. So I th- I totally agree. I mean, you know, there's we're lagging yeah. in the sense, and I suppose you know. That leads to, leads to you know, bottlenecks in for people wanting to get into the green industry, uh, into the green economy. They can't because this just isn't available to them.
1: And that's it. And I think what's so interesting, so last year I was the campaign ambassador for the Embassy of Finland, and we focused on the circular economy, is when you look at the Europe model, and I never want to copy and paste Europe into Africa because we have our mm. own, you know, kind of – We've got our own intricacies. And even as a continent, yeah. we're not even, you know, homogenous. And even as a country, mm-hmm. Cape Town climate is different from, you know, Joe um, But what's just interesting is that they always say that if you want to get this green transformation, you need public, private, and research institutions. Mm-hmm. They need to be in the same page. And that is it. Our education system, if you want to do, you know, sustainability, we don't learn this. When I was doing my mechanical engineering degree, I didn't learn about sustainability. Everything I have yes. learned, I learned because I worked on an international project with a multinational company. Um, and so I definitely think that that's definitely another thing that kind of pulls us back. So for instance, now after the whole COVID pandemic, like, I mean, the COVID pandemic is still happening, but people are talking about a green recovery in Europe. I'm still to hear green recovery in any of the speeches that our president makes. Um, and so it's kind of like, it's one of those things that we see it as an additional, we haven't integrated this thinking. And the reason we haven't integrated it is I think because public private research institutions, again, very fragmented. They're not speaking to each other. Random last mm-hmm. example is if a private company wanted to do green, they want research in Finland, how they do it is that the private companies come to the universities and say, listen, I need some research on this particular thing. Then they end up essentially getting it for free. But now the person who did the research in the students, they got the experience um, and they also help this company manage a hurdle. And that's what happens when you just start speaking to each other as private, public and um, mm. research institutions.
0: Well, very interesting. Anyway, you know, very. I think that you we need to have people like you on um, to speak about this more often because these are the voices that will actually help us move in the correct direction, the direction that we need to be moving into. Um, and I suppose very quickly before I let you go, just give me your thoughts. Oh, I mean, on COVID. Um, The fact that, you know, most of the world is still on lockdown, Uh, our movement is very restricted. But we have seen, we have seen pollution levels uh, declining. We're seeing that, you know, the ozone layer is slowly repairing in this time. I mean, of course, you Mm -hmm. know, industrialization, manufacturing, everything is, you know, basically, um, you know, not, uh, yeah, it came to a standstill. So what are your thoughts on what this has done for us environmentally and what's what's to come
1: i think that it's such a pity that it needed a pandemic to get us to be more sustainable mm. because what we saw is everything that we had asked for pre-pandemic more digital conferences less you know um transportation less industrialization. Um, all of these things we had asked for, now they said to me, I mean, within two weeks, companies were doing digital transformations. Mm. And, you know, within two, like, people are able to, so the, the main thing is it goes back to the driver of being, Um People are, humanity is able to be sustainable. In fact, in Africa, we have been sustainable for such a long time if we look at our local indigenous knowledge. It's just, it comes down to behavior, and that's why it comes down to individuals knowing and understanding that they are part of the green building movement. Africa is the most vulnerable continent. Every decision we're making um, in how we live, work and play has an impact on people Mm. outside, like like in terms of externalities, it has an impact. So Mm. how responsible are we for every decision that we're making? And that's intersectional um, thinking when it comes to environmentalism, which looks at social justice and climate justice. And that's kind of, the, the, that's my passion. Is really that is how do we really engineer a more green continent, and a more um, green country, and yeah. So everyone is really yeah. part of the the change and the transformation towards green.
0: very it was awesome talking to you. Thank you so much for your time this evening. We're gonna have to leave it there. very Shaba, founder and CEO of Green Design. My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu every Tuesday from 8 to 9 p.m. Kaya FM, home of the Afropolitan. Rewinding, Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.